Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank you this evening for your warm uh, blessing. Uh, We want to uh, acknowledge all the people that have helped us put this conference on. Uh, Too numerous to uh, numerate, but a conference of this size uh, takes vast uh, investment of people's time, and we so appreciate those who have... uh, behind the scenes helped us put this conference on. If you have your Bibles uh, in the book of Acts chapter 18, the book of Acts chapter 18, you want to turn there with me. So we have 500 people in the toilet, they're going to miss the whole first introduction, so uh, they can get the tape later. Thank you. Acts chapter 18. I was uh, reading a very uh, sobering story about a uh, a man ministering in a third world. And uh, as he was ministering the gospel, an elderly woman was gloriously saved. And as she was uh, uh, filled with abundant grace and glory and appreciation... Uh, The burden of sin lifted off of her heart, and uh, she was overwhelmed by the wonderful good news of the gospel. And she asked the uh, missionary, uh, this is so wonderful, how long have you known this story of Jesus Christ, our Savior? And the missionary said, uh, 2,000 years. She said, 2,000 years? 2,000 years? Why have you waited so long to bring this news to us now? I am more than 100 years old, and I would have responded many years ago. Now I only have a few years left to serve my Savior. Now this is a very sobering thought as you begin to ponder that. In the book of Acts chapter 18, I want to call your attention to two verses of Scripture. It's a whole scenario of the Apostle Paul in the city of Corinth, but I just want to stop. You can read the rest of it on your own. Two verses of Scripture... And the Bible says, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silence. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. I want to talk to you about the people who are waiting tonight. 
I want to ponder with you the purpose of God. Many times people have a wrong uh, idea about the uh, purpose of God. That This is simply the work of the moment. In other words, that God just kind of happened on the scene and people uh, uh, respond. But what we're dealing with tonight in world evangelism is not the work of, of a moment. We have to ponder tonight the unchanging purpose of God. In the book of Ephesians, rather, verse 11, these words are written according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now think about this for a moment with me, because we're dealing with, and we sang that wonderful chorus, we're dealing with the issue of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And this brings us to grips with God's purpose, which is to save the lost. Our conference is themed focus. And the Bible says that it is not God's will. He's not willing that any perish, but all should come to repentance unto life eternal. And look at our text for a moment, because here is a profound revelation that I want to stir your mind with. Look at verse 10 for a moment with me. I have many people in this city. I want you to think about that with me for a moment. Because as that statement is made, we're talking about the working of God independently of man to prepare and to make receptive prior to any action upon man himself. Uh, no action on our part to initiate this. Uh, we're talking about God at work independently to initiate a response uh, in the hearts of man. And I want you to ponder that uh, for a moment with me. Analyze this for a moment. I have many people in this city. Or in other words, uh, here we have God's making a statement uh, that at that point in time, these people would have looked like your neighbors and mine. They would have looked like the people that we come into contact with. They would have looked like your family. They would have looked like the people that you do business with. These people would have been mostly materialistically oriented, as our generation is. They would have surely been debauched because they lived in the city of Corinth, uh, where a temple to a fertility goddess uh, overlooked uh, that city, uh, where a thousand prostitutes every day went through the streets of that city, rang their, build, uh, their bells, uh, 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 summoning the men of that city to sexual relationship uh, as a part of a false religion of a fertility, uh, a fertility goddess. Uh, and this would have been a part of their lifetime. Now, underneath the veneer of immorality, underneath the veneer of materialism, underneath the veneer of hard-heartedness, uh, we are made to understand by God uh, that God at times uh, and in seasons uh, were breaking in upon their hearts and breaking upon on, on their thoughts, uh, preparing them 
to respond to the gospel message uh, just waiting for someone to speak. I want you to look at that verse again with me. I have many people in this city. Think about that uh, in the light uh, of the truth uh, that is there. The Bible is filled uh, with many stories uh, that will illustrate this for us. In the book of John chapter 1, we have the story of Nathaniel. He comes to the Lord Jesus, beckoned by his brother Philip. uh, And as he comes... uh, Jesus begins to speak to him and say these words, While you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now we are not knowledgeable about what transpired under the fig tree. But the moment that Jesus spoke those words, Nathaniel said, You're the Messiah, you're the Son of God. So we have to understand that something was transpiring in the life of Nathaniel that we don't know about. That the moment uh, that he was summoned, uh, the moment that he is confronted, he responded immediately uh, because underneath the veneer of a hard heart uh, that Jesus said, Behold, uh, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. And his brother had said to him, We found him, Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, This is indeed the Messiah. In cynicism, uh, he responded, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Because that city was known uh, to be so twisted uh, in personality uh, that a byword uh, and actually a parable was spoken about that city. Listen to me for a moment. God... uh, calls those things that be not as though they were. We have the story of the widow of Zarephath. Think about me. Uh, think with me about this. Here's Elijah. Elijah is at the brook Cherith. God has directed him there for survival during the drought. The brook begins to dry up. God says to him, I want you to go to Zarephath, and I've commanded a widow there to feed you. In other words, what he's saying is, I have already commanded this widow to feed you, but when Elijah appears on the scene, this woman has no knowledge of this. So let's be a theologian for a moment, because as we ponder about this, God calls those things that be not as though they were And in his time frame of a heavenly decree, he had already decreed this woman is going to respond and she's going to feed this prophet of God. These words were spoken by divine decree. Elijah is in Gilead across the Jordan River. This woman resides in Zarephath, which is at least 60 miles from there traveling in the normal travel mode of Bible days of 20 miles a day, it would have taken him at least three or four or five days to travel to where this woman was, and yet God had decreed in another place, because God is able to cause those things that be not as though they were. What we're dealing with is a spiritual dimension of God. I have many people in this city. 
We have the Apostle Paul. He is frustrated because he cannot find direction. He's at Troas in present-day Turkey. He's there not knowing what to do, and a man appears to him in a vision by night and says to him, Come over. This is a Macedonian man from Greece. Come over and help us. Now, we don't know who this man was. We can speculate that this perhaps was the Philippian jailer. We do not know. But whatever it was, God had already begun to work in that heart independently of any human action to prepare the heart to to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do know that when Paul spoke to the Philippian jailer, he immediately responded to the gospel of Christ. We also know that when the Apostle Paul and his team were at prayer by the little streamside there, that there was a woman named Lydia, a seller of purple in Thyatira, and the Bible says that the Lord opened her heart to receive and to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have an Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. We see Philip caught up and directed to go and join himself to this chariot. He has a hunger for God. He's reading out of the book of Isaiah, and as he's reading, Philip says, Do you understand what you're reading? He says, No, unless some man should explain to me. And Philip immediately, beginning in Isaiah, began to minister the gospel, insomuch that as they pass a stream of water and are passing through it, he said, Look, here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And he baptized him because God had prepared a heart independently of any human action or initiation. And this is why God said, Go speak. I have many people in this city. In the book of John, chapter 4, verse 35, do you not say... There's still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're already white for harvest. In verse 38, he says, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you've entered into their labors. And this is in the light of the tremendous Samaritan revival in John's Gospel, chapter 4. God has a purpose. Thank God. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad for that tonight? We're not just wandering in some religious landscape hoping that somehow something may happen. We have uh, a wonderful Father in heaven. Uh, We have a glorious Savior. uh, And we have a purpose. And that purpose is that none should perish, uh, but all should come to repentance under eternal life. Uh, And the Bible says these words, I have many people in that city. I want to talk to you for a moment uh, about the dependency on human action. Now, the error of, uh, of uh, uh, Calvinism is the extreme sovereignty uh, of God. The story is told, I believe it's about William Carey, who was in a little uh, cottage meeting. They were talking about uh, uh, the gospel, and as they were there, 
He was stirred as a young man. He began to say, someone uh, has to go and someone must tell these, uh, these uh, uh, people about Jesus Christ. Uh, and an elderly gentleman in that said, young man, sit down. When it pleases God to save the heathen, he will do it without your help or mine. That's extreme Calvinism. Thank God that there is a wonderful story of the sovereignty of God. Can you say amen? But I want to talk to you about God's dependency upon human action. I learned a very profound lesson when I began to pray for the sick. When I began to pray for them independently and began to see God work miracles, uh, I saw an astounding thing, uh, and that was that human technique uh, or human action triggered uh, the miracle-working power of God. I was schooled in the school whereby if God's going to do it, he's going to do it. It doesn't take any action on our part. He's just going to do it. But I want to tell you that God's miracle power is triggered by human action. Now, as we look in this text for a moment, I want to ponder with you this business of us being involved in the work of God and God's dependency upon human action because the Bible says we are co-laborers with God. Look at verse 10 with me for a moment, if you will. Be not afraid, but speak. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching or the message preached to save those who believe. Now think with me for a moment, because here we have insight into God's dependency upon human action that we need to observe. Here's both a mandate and a method. I believe it was last night when Pastor Greg Mitchell quoted Romans 10. Listen to these words, verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Now here we have both a mandate and a message. When Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, that is a mandate. This is the marching orders of the church of Jesus Christ. We need no further direction. We do not need to hear any voice from heaven saying, go, do. This is a mandate because Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. These are marching orders and the methodology is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to give you a modern illustration of just what I've been talking about. I received an email from uh, uh, Sergei Goliabev. In it is this quote, uh, and if you'll bear with me for a moment. He says, Andre and Olya Lutskins uh, from the Vologda Church have moved to Cambodia six months ago from Saigon 
after he was given orders by authorities to depart from Vietnam in two weeks. A miracle happened as he was looking for an interpreter from Russian into Khmer language. Uh, a middle-aged man contacted him. His story is incredible. It turns out he was wounded in a war against Pol Pot's army in the 70s. While in the hospital, a Buddhist doctor gave up on him, telling him that he cannot help and that he needs to prepare to die. But there was a surgeon with Protestant beliefs, and he saved his life. For many years, he had a deep appreciation for this man, but never run across anybody who believed in Jesus Christ uh, until he was contacted, uh, our Russian missionary. He came and got saved, as well as his five teenage sons and his wife and bunch of their relatives. He also got healed of excruciating headaches. They were haunting him for many years. At this moment, three of his sons are doing a worship service, and our fellowship song sounds so good in the Khmer language. I haven't been in the morning seminars. Maybe that's been shared before. I have no idea what people have been preaching about. I heard one sermon this week locked in mortal combat in the trailer. <laughs> if you've heard that before, then factor that into what I'm preaching at the moment. All right, we've got a special promotion for the faithful listeners of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Here's the deal, Jack. <laughs> We're taking an impact team to Pastor Paul and Deanna Alvarez in Lima, Peru. <laughs> they let us know that they need some equipment. We'd like to give you a chance to help us buy them a new iPad and a new smart TV for their children's church. Our goal is to raise $1,000 for these items, and we think you'd like to help. So here's what we're offering. So here's what we came up with, guys. When you donate $30 or more to this fund, uh, you're going to get a six-month subscription to the premium podcast at no additional cost. And when you donate $50 or more, then we're going to give you a full year. How about that? Yeah. You'll get all the benefits of our premium sermon podcast, which means daily sermons, interruption-free listening, and zero commercials. We'll get new subscribers out of it, and Pastor Alvarez will get some new equipment to help with what God is doing there. Uh, we think it's a win-win-win. <laughs> uh, this promotion will only last until our impact team, which is happening toward the end of June, so don't miss this opportunity. But wait, Pastor Adam, Dave, what if, what if I'm already a premium subscriber? I'm so glad you asked. Well, so we are going to pass to you, those of you who are already paying for a subscription, we can give you a gift subscription that you can pass on to somebody else out there who always wanted to subscribe but never got around to it for whatever reason. Right. So all of the links will be in the show notes. And we look forward to being a blessing to you and to Pastor Paul in the coming weeks. Thanks, guys. God has framed his work of redemption in terms of human action. We know that God could do anything. He does not need us. Can you say amen? We know that God can do anything, but listen to what I'm saying. These words are still written in the scripture, 
and God has framed his work of redemption in terms of human action. And when the scripture says, be not afraid, but speak, I have many people in this city. We need to pay attention to the truth that is there. Here's a glorious truth in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 7 and verse 9. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God gives the increase, uh, for we are God's fellow workers. Now this evening, as we're sitting here in this uh, tent, uh, multitudes uh, are waiting uh, for us to speak. The poet wrote these words, they will not seek, they must be sought. They will not learn, they must be taught. They will not come, they must be brought. Now here's a very sobering thought this evening I want to leave with you, is that God is waiting for us to speak. The thought came to me this afternoon Many religions depend upon a building to represent their God. In Haifa, in Israel, and in, in, um, the city of Haifa, there is a building, and uh, this building represents a religion. And as that religion is there, that building has solid gold plates upon its roof. You can look down upon the beautiful gardens into there. What they're intending to convey is their God is important and he's worth seeking out. On the Temple Mount tonight in the city of Jerusalem, Israel, on the Temple Mount is a mosque to the Muslim faith. It is a beautiful, beautiful building both inside and out. On the dome of this building is a roof that is solid gold plate solid gold plate it is not painted gold it is not gold plated it is gold sheet at a cost of 20 million dollars the king of Jordan had that building a dome it is there to convey that the message is their God is glorious their God is worthy their God is somebody that you need to pay attention to. But you see, in the wisdom of God, he destroyed the temple in Jerusalem because of their sin. And rather than a building, in our dispensation, there is committed to you and I as the temple of the Holy Spirit the responsibility to convey the glory of the living God by speaking words. And this is why the Spirit said to Paul, Go, speak, be not afraid. I have many people in this city. Now this is a very sobering thought tonight uh, that God is waiting for you and I to speak the message uh, and the thought would come to you uh, if we will not uh, could it be true that God cannot? Think with me for a moment in a concluding thought. 
Workers are going out of this conference tonight, and it is a frightening thing to launch off into an adventure for God. I know that you're so excited. You put on your best clothes tonight. You're going to come up here. You're just going to feel it. But I want to tell you, you're going into the lion's den. The devil's waiting just outside that fence to intimidate you and say, what on earth did we do? It is an intimidating thing to launch off into an unknown adventure and to begin to build a work for God wherever that may be. I was thinking as I was preparing this message about Ken and Ann Haywood who pastor in Mumbai, India. Last year, terrorists hacked Ken Haywood's computer. They hacked his computer and sent messages to the television and the radio that a bomb attack was coming, which it indeed did come off, uh, and uh, people were injured in that uh, and some killed. uh, And they did this on Ken Haywood's computer. Within the hour, the anti-terrorist forces were at his door. They had tracked this to his computer for 72 hours. He sent us an email. He's crazy as a pet coon. He's been awake. They're accusing him of being a Navy SEAL. They're accusing him of being from the CIA. Here he is. There, this frightening thing. Here he is among uh, among uh, a, a foreign people. He he has no idea how this is going to come out. Long story short, they're threatening to give him a brain mapping, sodium pentothal, which often is, uh, is very injurious. Uh, the only nation in the world that's allowed to do that is India. And uh, he's terrified. Uh, and uh, and uh, this is uh, churning out. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, I said, come out of there. We put him on a plane. I went through Switzerland. Uh, he, he escaped. Uh, I don't know if they made a mistake or they just uh, didn't think he was going to gun. And uh, he came back to Prescott. How do wonderful three-week vacation in luxury hotels uh, (laughs) until the air cleared. I said, okay, Ken, time to go back. Uh, But this is the world these men live in. You had a call tonight from Rich Carter, who's in Hyderabad province, in Hyderabad city. I read in various publications I get, and Hyderabad is one of the hot spots in the world. Uh, Hindu terrorists uh, target churches and target pastors to be assassinated in Hyderabad province in India. So we're talking in some places in the world that your life is at risk and all these Indian workers, I want to tell you, are at risk, these wonderful missionaries we have tonight. But beyond that, there is an intimidation just simply from the fact uh, that you're going out on an adventure for God. Uh, But here in this text, look at verse 10 again, uh, is the confirming presence of God. Uh, God says, I am with you. That's an assurance. Can you say amen? I am with you. Genesis 15, uh, verse 1 
The Bible says, God said to Abraham, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, say, do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. You're exceedingly great reward. In other words, God is saying to Abraham, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be working in your behalf. I'm going to protect you. And he gave him that wonderful assurance tonight. Now, some people... When they read the Bible, they think they're just reading a, a narrative. It's like a, it's like a wonderful uh, true detective story. But I want to tell you, the Bible reveals the realities uh, of the spirit world in which we live. Sometimes people read about Balaam, Numbers 22, 23, 24, and uh, say, that, wow, boy, that, that sure is an interesting story there. But I want to tell you, Numbers 23, 23 says, There is no divination against Jacob, nor enchantment against Israel. What is that all about? What that's all about is that Balaam was a genuine sorcerer. He had the ability to curse people, uh, and the reason that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, he was hired was because he was successful in cursing people's lives and making them unsuccessful. As you workers are going out to pioneer, as you workers are going into other areas and other nations, as pastors are sitting here, as members of congregation are sitting here, I want to tell you, that there's powers of darkness uh, that are aligned against you uh, and they are not neutral. They are actively exercising against you. They're witchcraft covens in every community that when you land in that town, they target you and they begin to exercise against you to discourage you, to cause sexual failure, in your home and in your ministry to cause division between you, your wife, your congregation, to cause oppression to come upon your mind, to bring delusion and rebellion and confusion. And we could go on and on. We're talking about spiritual forces. And this is why God said to Paul, do not be afraid, but speak. And I am with you. You see, fear is one of the great intimidating elements uh, of ministry. Fear of failure. How many of you ever felt like uh, if you fail, it's going to be a, a fatal thing? Let me see your hand. Fear of failure. Fear of failure. Say, well, what's that all about? has to do with your ego. See, preaching the gospel is an ego. When you pastor, it is your ego. Say, well, oh, well, I mean that your integrity as a person, how you present yourself, your confidence as a human being, the ability to maintain equilibrium in a world of assault is one that is very real, and fear is one of the major intimidations and hindrances of workers. Whether you're pioneering tonight, whether you're going as a missionary, uh, fear of failure, fear for your family, fear of a, a, a hundred different kinds begin to lay hold of you. Uh, and this is why God said to Paul, uh, fear not, uh, I am with you. I have many people in this city. Uh, I want you to speak. So let's think for a moment about the promises of God. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 13, 
God says to the prophet, I am God. Indeed, before the day was, I am he. And there's no one who can deliver out of my hand. I work, and who will hinder it, or who can reverse it? This is the word of God. If God be for us, who can be against us? Can you say amen? You need to lay hold of that and begin to make that a part of your personality. If God be for us, who can be against us? In January of this year, my wife and I were catapulted into the most frenetic arena of my entire lifetime, of the greatest challenge of my entire lifetime. We had a rebellious national leader. We had been anticipating this for some time. For the past year, I uh, was filled with stress. By January, my slacks were hanging on me. Now, thank God for Hungry Jack French fries and, and, and Max, Max little uh, hash browns. Why, uh, it's very tight today. But I'm speaking reality. I'm talking stress. I'm talking stress that for a year, hives breaking out on my side, on my back. That's from nerves. I knew exactly what it was. Not able to take a nap, not able to sleep, trying to strategize in your mind. In December the 6th, we're in the Phoenix Men's Rally. The Board of Elders, most of them that were there. I had received a word from Glenn Cluck in the middle of November. Glenn Cluck says, Pastor, that's going to change in a matter of weeks, and you're going to have to go in for perhaps six months. I said, Glenn, I don't think I'm able to do that emotionally, spiritually. I'm emotionally uh, and spiritually drained. I don't think I have the energy to do that. That was the middle of November. December 6th, I'm sitting in a little room off this platform in Phoenix, Arizona, and the Board of Elders are saying to me, Pastor, you must go in. And I'm saying to them, I do not have the mental or emotional energy to do this. But triggering of events suddenly in January, like it or not, we're catapulted into that arena and went into Perth, West Australia to salvage that work. Listen to me. I said to them, I am not up to this. See, you, you're, you're looking at me, you think, that, you think that Superman is here in a suit. I function with all the fears and emotions, the uncertainties and the lack of confidence that you do. And I said to them, I do not feel that I'm up to it but God catapulted us into that arena. No choice. I have no visa. I have to go in on a tourist visa. I have five weeks to put on an international Bible conference uh, with not enough money to do it. The man who had been in that place was there in place for 10 years, carefully laying his groundwork uh, for what he's going to do. Within 30 days, he opened a church within five minutes of that church. 
telling all the people that were in that congregation, follow me and join me in my work. I had no idea whether I'm going to fail, I'm going to succeed. I have no idea whether the people are going to walk out on me. I have no idea what's going to happen. God just, and we land in Perth, West Australia, in the middle of this arena. I want to tell you that in five and a half months, God, now this is not false humility. reason I'm telling you this, I'm just a person like you are. This is not false humility. I'm telling you, man, listen, boy, I tell you what. No, no. I'm talking about God. See, God's involved in this. Can you say amen? God is involved in what we're doing. In five and a half months, God has totally reversed that entire scene There is today, Tom Paine, in his first service, had 368 people. The weekend before, we had 89 people in an outreach we did and four saved in the morning service. Tom Paine had 368 people in the first service uh, He had four people saved in that service. He had 11 filled with the Holy Spirit in that service, and he baptized 21 people in water that afternoon. God is at work. You see, God's hand is at work in the earth. This is a very, very simple sermon I'm preaching to you tonight. But God's hand is at work in the earth, calling you and I to go and to speak, and he will join us in this wonderful, wonderful work. Listen to Mark's gospel, chapter 16, verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the words through the accompanying signs. One translation says, they worked and the Lord worked. Listen to the poet for a moment as I draw this to conclusion. The world is waiting for somebody waiting and watching today, somebody to lift and strengthen, somebody to shield and say, stay. Do you thoughtfully question who? Tis you, my friend, tis you. The world is waiting for somebody, the sad world, black and cold, when one-faced children are watching for hope in the eyes of the old. Do you wondering question who? Tis you, my friend, tis you. The world is waiting for somebody and has been years on years, somebody to soften its sorrows, somebody to heed its tears, then doubting, question no longer who for all my friend tis you I want every head bowed every eye closed every head bowed every eye closed thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH sermon podcast where we post sermons on Mondays Wednesdays Fridays 
and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.